Amen. Amen. Turn around and say hello to someone, then be seated, if you would, please. <laughs> hey, everybody. Good to see you. Good to see you. I need to find out who came the furthest today to church. Who came the furthest today? Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Who came the furthest today? Who came the furthest? Besides China, okay, but uh, all right, and Korea, but uh, okay. How, how far did you come to church today, Russ? Okay, I'll let, I'll let you arm wrestle with Mark to determine if he went further or, or not. But uh, they came down from uh, almost up to Baltimore. So that's a, that's a, bit, of a bit of a trip. Uh, why, just, I got to ask you, I know we're on the air, but uh, all right. Uh, why do you drive so far to come to this church? Because of this church and because of you. Well... Because of God, amen. Praise the Lord. So good to have you. Good to have you. All right. Um, Chris, Joe, how far did you come to church today? Just Marlington preaching. <laughs> 15, 15 miles and uh, 55 minutes almost. <laughs> Isn't God good? Amen. Amen. Uh, we've been encouraging people to read through their Bible and... Uh, Praise the Lord, Brother uh, Tyler Candy has developed a, um, a site, right? It was, it was a site, uh, it's a domain that we have that he, has, that he has copyrighted. And I want you to put this down, all lowercase, readyourbiblethrough.com. Readyourbiblethrough.com. Now, we have told you if you read two chapters in the Old Testament, one chapter in the New, Monday through Saturday, and then if you read three in the old and two in the new on Sundays, you can read through the Bible. But it's actually broken down a little more, it's slightly more complex than that. But on that website, readyourbiblethrough.com, it will actually tell you the date. You can go to any date, but it'll tell you today's date and where you should be through. You should be finishing up today in the Old Testament, Leviticus 18, 19, and 20. And you should be finishing up in the New Testament Luke chapters 14 and 15 today, and you'll be right on schedule to finish reading through the Bible once in a year. So how many of you, I, I, you, can, you can go to that site, and you don't, somebody has suggested, well, we write it out for you. Well, I've been writing it out for you, but that changes, see? But if you have the website, read your Bible through, that's T-H-R-O-U-G-H dot com, and you can punch February 20th, it'll tell you, you should be through Leviticus 18, 19, and 20, New Testament, Luke uh, 14 and 15. And you'll, you'll be able to read the Bible through in a calendar year. How many of you uh, are trying to do that right now? Raise your hands. Come on. Look at the crowd. Look at the crowd. Amen. Amen. How many of you would like to join that group? Now, a little catch-up. A little catch-up. You can be there and praise the Lord. I want to encourage you. Get into the Word of God until the Word of God gets into you. Brother Daquan, thank you for your leadership in visitation in our church. Appreciate it. We have visitation packets. We're going to have a couple hundred door hangers ready for this next Saturday, 10 o'clock. We'd like to have everybody in the church come out that can. Bring your families. If you can control your kids, take them with you. We just take our kids on visitation with us. And uh, you can go door to door and hang, hang flyers. If they behave themselves, that'll work out just fine. 
And uh, included in the packets will be a flyer for the Beast Feast, which is our men and boys wild game dinner, which is two weeks from yesterday. We have sign-up boards that I'm going to send around right now. The, the top sheet is about food. The bottom sheet, there's a second sheet, is we intend to at attend. We want to attend. So we need all the men and boys to come. We need all the women to help cook and serve. And tonight, following the evening service, if you'll be here for the evening service, we're going to have a meeting, and we're going to talk about what we need done. Some of the men need to help with the, with the boat competition out here, uh, you know, just help with the uh, registration and with making sure everybody follows the fly casting and so forth. We need some help with that. We need people to make sure that all of our bus kids and all the males that are attached to any of our bus riders or any of our ministries, that they all get here. Uh, two weeks from yesterday, 1 o'clock is the competition outside. And uh, 4 o'clock, 4 o'clock will be the meal, and it's absolutely free. We don't charge anybody for anything around here. Aren't you glad, Craig? We don't charge anybody for anything. It's all free. And... Uh, Boy, you and, you and uh, dad and, and brother came to a bunch of those, so I praise God for you. And everybody else, I want you to bring neighbors, friends, relatives, everybody that you possibly can, all right, to our Beast Feast, which will be two weeks from yesterday, March the 5th. Sign up. Uh, second page is you intend to attend. Uh, you're going to try to bring some people with you. Page one is you're going to help cook. Now, ladies, we will have venison and other game meats to distribute to you next week, all right? And we want you to prepare that. Like you would a beef, uh, uh, right? Beef would, uh, would be a good comparison. And so we have, we have venison spaghetti, we have venison, you know, um, tacos, we have venison in every, every kind of meal, about 27 different ways. And it's a good reason for people to come out. They'll hear the gospel. They'll find good fellowship. They'll find out that we're real. And uh, we have had, over the course of the past 15 Beast Feasts, we have had over 200 professions of faith. People have come to Jesus. And it's quite a bit more than that, but that's just a, a very conservative estimate. Amen. All right, so help us with that. Now, uh, tomorrow evening, we have our Central Baptist Church Faithful Men's Meeting. It'll be here at 7.30, guys, in the auditorium, or you can... Uh, join us virtually, uh, see Tyler for that, 7.30 tomorrow evening. We're going to cover the report from last year. Very positive report. Meeting won't take long. We'll talk about some other things, too, for the future. Uh, and then Wednesday night, uh, we will have a very brief report meeting for the entire congregation. At 7.30 on Wednesday night, we, of course, we study the Word of God. We'll be in the book of Colossians, but also a report meeting for 2021. God was very good to us. In spite of the shutdowns and things that happened, we didn't shut down, and we never quit. We never gave up. We just kept meeting, and God blessed, and all the needs have been met, and you would be so blessed to know what God has done. We give him all the glory. All right, so those are just a, a few announcements of things that are coming up. Um, I want you to take your bulletin, take a look at the cover. There is the world, and... It says at the top of the bulletin, look and be saved. You that are viewing uh, online, you can scroll down and get yourself a, a digital copy of the bulletin. The scripture on the front is, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else.
and there is none else. It has been said, if you can't preach that scripture, you can't preach. That is a scripture that automatically preaches. And I am so glad that salvation is of the Lord. I'm glad that's first and foremost. It's of the Lord. I want you to jot down some things very quickly as we consider this scripture, as we consider the concept. You say, why are you talking about salvation? Because in this wicked world, the devil is seeking to blind the minds of individual and confuse those who claim to be and those who used to be fundamental Bible-believing Christians uh, with respect to salvation. Uh, due to our lost sinful estate or state, we can't perceive the truth until God's light shines in and illuminates our dark soul. There is a false teaching that is gaining foothold right now among those who claim to be saved that says, we're not so bad. We're not so bad. And I'm here to tell you that we are. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. We are all undone before God. We are all, all depraved before God. We can't even come to the light unless God draws us. Isn't that right, Ray? We need the Lord to draw us. Now, I'm not talking about some deep theological uh, hair-splitting issue. I'm talking about down to earth, I mean where the rubber meets the road, basic understanding of who we are. And that is, though God created us in His image, because of sin, the image has been marred. And we are incapable of any good thing. The Apostle Paul says, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. Now that's the Apostle Paul saying that. So if we think as is being falsely to told to us now and promoted as being, you know, a good thing to believe that we're not so bad, that we're really pretty good, and if we just kind of stir things up inside, everything's going to be fine. No, we don't, need a, we don't need just kind of a stirring up or kind of a whitewashing on the exterior. We need a total radical transformation. We need to be radically born again. We need to be saved from the inside out. And when we are, then we need to tell everybody else. Amen. We're talking in terms of God's truth. And we don't need to surrender anything from this book. We don't need to give up on anything in this book. We don't need to shave any corners on this book. We need to take the Word of God exactly as it is and by the power of God, meet the needs of this old, dying world and introduce them to the one who can make us over brand new. You say, well, I messed up. I messed up along the way. Then you need to come back to the one who died for you and is beckoning right now with nail-pierced hands and is saying, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love the Lord Jesus today. I love Him for many reasons, but how can you not love Him when He's done all that for you and for me? Do you know that before we were ever saved, before we ever came to Him, 
He knew that we'd stumble along the way. He knew we'd mess up. He knew we'd, we'd do plenty of that along the way. That's no excuse. It still has to be dealt with. Sin has to be dealt with. But, but praise God for that one word, forgiveness. Right in the middle of forgiveness, there is a four-letter word, G-I-V-E. Forgiveness is a gift. And there are a lot of folks today on one end of the spectrum I'm talking about people who would say that they are Bible preachers and Bible believers, but they have not got the foggiest clue about what forgiveness is. Vance Havner tells the story of two Native Americans been watching a lighthouse go up uh, as it was being constructed, and they came over to see it constructed, see it dedicated on the, the day that it was finished, it was all set up with the lights and the bell and the horn. But the day it was due to open, the worst fog of all fogs came in. And one Native American said to the other, Light shine, bell ring, horn blow, but fog come in just the same. And that's so true. We can, we can do all kinds of things, but the reality of the fog is still there. We've never had more supposed religious lights shining. We've never had so many, so many novel bells ringing, and we've never, we've never had so many religious horns blowing than we have today, and we've never had more fog, spiritually speaking. We still need Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's it. When it comes to the matter of salvation, God's truth regarding salvation, number one, it's sovereign. It's sovereign. Now, don't get blown away because I use the word sovereign. That means it's in God's hands. God is the one who gets to determine. And He's the one who has offered us full and free His grace. His mercy and His grace are absolutely free. Now, He paid a price, and that price was, of course, the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on an old rugged cross. And if Jesus Christ was willing to do that, and God was willing to pay that price and accept the price of His blood for our salvation, then shouldn't we respond? Number two, this thing we call salvation is simple. The solution to the problem is one and only one, and that solution is God does all the saving. We did everything to run away from God, to, to be uh, in violation of God's law, to be rebellious against God's truth, and God, <clears throat> God is the one who sought us and bought us and taught us, and praise the Lord that He's the one that did that. He did it all for us. He's, he's the one that's responsible for the saving. We, we get to receive the free gift, but He did everything. He did all of the, all of the heaviness uh, of salvation. The salvation not only is sovereign and simple, but it sustains us. It has staying power. So much so that when a person gets all messed up because they've got a sin nature and they and they fall back into sin and they do something they shouldn't do, that God sustains us. He keeps us. He absolutely sustains us and keeps us. And, and even though our record may not reflect our identification with Jesus Christ, the truth of the matter is that before God we are justified. It's as though we never sinned and that we are still His and He is still ours. There will never come a time when a born-again, a saved person is not still saved if they've truly been saved. There'll never come a time when they don't have the Lord anymore 
if they had Him before. If, they, if you had Him before, if you were saved before, you're saved now. The Bible is very clear about that. What you need is not more salvation. What you need is fellowship. You need to confess sins and get right with God. Number four, God's salvation not only is sovereign, simple, and sustains us, but it saturates us. I believe I'm saved, not just one part of me, but all the way through and through. I'm completely saved. I'm totally, 100% saved. Now, I know that I've got a sin nature, and I know that I still, I still fail the Lord, but I am completely saved, and I thank God for that. And then number five, that salvation is designed to transform and to satisfy us. To satisfy us. He saves, He keeps, and He satisfies. And so were it not for God's light that He grants us, we would not, we would not even know anything about salvation. But because of that light, we do understand. We have been previously blinded. Inside your bulletin, I have put down 2 Corinthians 4, 4 through 6. Would you turn in there, uh, open it up, and look in the right side, uh, the top of the bulletin, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. There it is. There it is. There's an attraction to this salvation. There's an attraction. Now the scripture that we have given you from Isaiah 45, 22, look unto me, does not give uh, a very difficult requirement for salvation. Since God has already done everything through Jesus Christ, He's paid the price entirely for all your sins, past, present, and future. All I see here is look unto me and be ye saved. And I am reminded of that passage of Scripture in Numbers chapter 21 that's also referred to in John chapter 3. It says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. You know what happened in the wilderness. There were serpents, fiery serpents, and, and their bite would result in people dying. But, but God told Moses to take a pole, and on the pole to put a brass serpent, a brazen serpent. Why brass? Brass means judgment. The serpent represents sin. And Jesus Christ just said, just like that, I'm going to be lifted up. But you say, why, why the serpent if it's representing Jesus Christ? Because Jesus said in 2 Corinthians that, uh, he, uh, that he had become sin for us. That's the Apostle Paul, of course, writing about Jesus Christ. He who knew no sin became sin, became the sin offering. So the serpent represents sin. And Jesus Christ became that on the cross. He experienced all of the pangs of hell in our behalf. And He died on the cross and He took our judgment. There it is. There is an attraction in that. I'm thinking about Steinberg who is a great painter and he was painting a, a picture of uh, the crucifixion, Christ on the cross. And a little uh, gypsy girl came by to watch him paint and she studied uh, the, the form of Jesus Christ there on the cross and she said, he must have been a very wicked man to be nailed to a cross like that. And Steinberg said, no, no, on the contrary, he was a very good man, the best man that ever lived. He died for others. 
And then out of the mouth of babes, this little gypsy girl said to Steinberg, the famous painter, did he die for you? Did he die for you? And Steinberg, who had never personally come to faith in Christ, had to stop and think. He had spent labored long hours to paint this picture of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. And when she said, did he die for you? He was so touched, his conscience was so awakened, God used that, that he called on the mercy and grace of God and was wonderfully saved. Some years later, a young count chanced to go into the gallery at Dresden where Steinberg's painting of Christ on the cross was on exhibition. And he just stood there for the longest time, staring at the painting. The painting spoke to his soul. Stared at the painting, stared at the painting. Jesus dying on the cross. Dying for the sins of mankind. It changed the whole tenor of this man's life. This count was Nicholas von Zinzendorf, the founder of the Moravian Brethren, who in their day were the greatest missionaries in the world. They went everywhere and suffered deprivation and lived like indigenous people in order to win them to Jesus Christ. Why would anybody do that? The same thing, the same thing that Steinberg saw in his own painting, the same thing that Count Nicholas von Zinzendorf saw in the painting of Steinberg is the same thing that we say today. Because Jesus Christ was willing to be that, to become that, and to do that for you and for me, I should be willing to do whatever God says. There should not be bargaining. There should not, there should not be uh, this long, painful, drawn-out, difficult decision made. Because of who Jesus Christ is and what He became and what He did for you and me, we ought to say yes, Lord. Some of you are students of warfare. I happen to be one who has a number of books in my library on the great battles of all time. When the Romans were trying to conquer uh, Great Britain, they came to the White Cliffs of Dover. And the first time they attempted to scale them, they were met at the top by the Saxon army. And the Saxon army badly outnumbered the Roman soldiers. Now, these were crack Roman soldiers. But as they would reach the top, they were repulsed and driven back and driven back and driven back and driven back. Some of you know the campaign of which I speak. And they sailed off. And it was a while before they came back. But this time, when they came back, they did something different. Listen to me very carefully. Same Roman soldiers, same Roman armies, same, same challenge, climbed that sheer rock face of the White Cliffs of Dover. Same Saxon army, now a few more Saxons up there waiting to, to cut them down and drive them back again into the sea. And those Saxons watched in amazement as the Romans debarked, got out on the shore, and before they strapped on their swords and took up their spears and placed their armor to protect their bodies, they turned around and did something I'm going to ask everybody in this room and everybody out there listening to do, symbolically. They took torches. They lit their boats on fire. 
He shoved them out into the water and watched them burn to the water's level and sink to the bottom. Then they strapped on their swords, put on their armor. And as they approached the white cliffs of Dover, same challenge, same sheer rock, they looked up. Not a Saxon was left. Do you want to know why? They saw the commitment of the Romans. And I'm asking you, burn your ships. Whatever it is that God wants you to face in life's challenges, I'm talking about your personal life, your spiritual life, reading the Bible through, being a witness, living a godly life. Burn your ship. Mean business. Mean business. So I haven't been able to, to, to tithe or give offerings over and above the tithe. Burn your ships. Burn your ships. In your marriage, in your home, in your child rearing, burn your ship. Burn your ship. Be totally committed to the, to the program of God. God's got a plan for your life, for your relationships, for your business, for whatever it is that you are doing that is godly and right. God's got a plan. Burn your ships. No, no retreat. No backup plan. God's plan only. God's plan only. Are you listening to me? That's the only way you're going to succeed. Sin is so real, and sin will trip you up every time. That's it. We need the Lord's way in our life. Some years ago, King George of England, after the invention of the radio, was about to give a speech to the entire nation. And at that moment, something happened. There was a, a break in the electric circuit. He was about to deliver his address from London to all of the British Commonwealth, and yet he didn't have he didn't have a circuit. And so one man stepped up. And believe it or not, this man grabbed both ends of that broken circuit. And that circuit, that electrical current, ran through his body until the entire address of King George was complete and the entire British Commonwealth heard the message. Now, the man was unharmed, but he offered his own body. He offered himself for that message to go out. I'm saying, if Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of all mankind, and He did. And if He died for your sins and for my sins, and He did. And if He died and rose from the dead, that we might have victory in our life, that we might be successful, and He did. Then we should be willing to allow the message to pass through us. We should be willing to tell a lost and dying world, whatever it costs, and once again, burn your ships. Shove that burning hulk off the, off the shoreline. Watch it go down. No backup plan. 
No backup plan. One and only one plan. God's plan. God's program. Jesus living in me. Jesus living in you. God working through me. God working through you. God the Holy Spirit making a difference in the lives of other people. You're saying, I don't know if I can do all this stuff, preacher. You're talking about it seems so, it seems so, so great. Yes, it's greater than I am. It's greater than you are. It's greater than we are all together. If you add, add the sum of all of us together, it's greater than all of us. But it's not greater than God. God is looking for willing vessels. Looking for people that are willing to allow the message to go through them. Jesus still saves, keeps, and satisfies. Amen. 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 Chief of sinners though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me. Died that I might live on high. Lives that I might never die. That's it. Salvation means more than just dying and going to heaven someday. Paul said it this way. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Another story I heard illustrates this very well. God has saved us to change us, to work through us, to make a difference in the lives of others. How important is that? If, if somebody were drowning, wouldn't you try to save them? As someone who is trained as a, as a lifeguard, I understand all the training, all the talking, all the motivation means nothing. When somebody's going down out there, you go and you try to bring them back alive. That's it. If you're walking down a street and a house was on fire and you heard little voices screaming from inside, wouldn't you do something to try to get them out of that burning building? Sure you would. Everybody would. Anybody would. So oh, I, I don't know that, that I would be able to accomplish. No, but you would try. You would make every attempt. And we have been promised success if we'll go in Jesus' name. We have been promised that He will bless our lives and give us the fulfillment. You can, you can go to school for all the classes, for all the training, for all the vocations in all the world, and never have fulfillment until you yield your life to God and let God put His autograph, His signature on your life, whatever it is that He wants for you. In your life, in your relationships, in your decisions, we want the smile of God. We want the signature of God upon us. That's it. It's very simple. Very simple. There was a man who went to market and he saw these birds that had been chained they had a band around one leg and they had been taught to just walk in kind of a mindless circle to entertain people until they were sold. A fellow came along and he had great pity on them. He said, what is the price? And he was given the price of, of a bird. And he said, here's this amount of money. I want to free them all. And the man that was selling says, you want to do what? He says, I want to free them all. And so the bands were taken off of them. They were bought and paid for. 
the most amazing thing happened. No matter where the man took them, they would keep walking in a circle. They kept walking in a circle. Until finally, he said, you're free! God didn't save you so you can just keep walking in that same circle. Do you ever feel like your life is like a squirrel cage, like a kind of gerbil thing? Just going around and around and around and around. What I'm talking to you about is meaning and purpose in life. God saved you not only so you can go to heaven someday, but so that you can have the abundant life right now and serve Him and tell a lost and dying world that they don't have to go to hell, that they can be saved and they can be saved right now and live a victorious life and have a happy home and have a happy life and have a successful career and God will bless their life and make them a blessing to others as well. Whenever I read about, about Abraham, I think about the covenant that God struck with him, an unbreakable promise. He said, through you and your descendants, Abraham, all the earth is going to be blessed. We are all spiritual descendants of Abraham by faith in Jesus Christ. And he wants the whole world to be touched and blessed by our life being given totally and completely to him. I don't know where in this message you picture yourself. Maybe you see yourself at a shoreline burning some boats. I hope so. I hope so. I hope you won't have any fallback plan. I hope you take this. Make that your heartbeat. Make that your plan. I don't know if you find yourself, maybe, maybe you're there and you're watching those poor birds walk in circles, or maybe you're one of those birds. I don't know where you are in this message today. But the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed, and how many of you today... By the uplifted hand would say, Preacher, something in that message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up high. Come on. Something spoke. Amen. 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 How many of you today would say, Preacher, I have a spiritual need. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to come and embarrass you. No one's going to do that. You say, I have a spiritual need. I'm thinking about it right now. God knows about it. I don't know about anybody else, but I know about it. God knows about it. I have a spiritual need. Preacher, would you remember me? Slip your hand up high. Come on, i got a spiritual need. Amen. 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 How many of you today would say, Preacher, I'm concerned for others. There's somebody that I'm thinking about right now that needs your touch. Uh, I need the Lord's touch in their life. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Amen. 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 Father, I pray for these right now. Help each one. I pray that this will be the moment of decision. Lord, I pray spiritually that there might be some boats getting burned. I pray that spiritually there might be some, some, uh, some creatures, some folks being set free, the, the bands of bondage being cut loose, and help them to realize that they're free. And uh, Lord, I pray for those that need help with their life's decisions, their relationship, their, their business, whatever it is, Lord, their vocation, their future. Help each one to give it up and give it to you, Lord, and allow you to have your way with them. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I want to urge you right now,
if you're not sure that you're saved, you're not 100% positive, but you'd like to be. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can call on Him right now. Let me help you. Would you pray from your heart to God right now? Something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou Christ shall come with shout of acclamation 
me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in humbled adoration great 